0: To the double double. My name is David Dixon, and it is Monday, July twelfth. Hope everyone is doing well and enjoyed a great summer weekend. Coming up today, we're gonna to break down everything that happened last night. Suns Bucks game three. Bucks take a commanding win last night, 120 to 100, to get firmly back into this series, two to one. It was a must, must. Win game for the Bucks, arguably one of the biggest, most crucial games in their uh, franchise history. They needed a massive performance, and they got it. So, just diving right in, they got a massive performance by their transcendent, super duper star Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is a no longer just a superstar, no longer well, just an MVP. Giannis is a trans. we need to start talking about him as a transcendent NBA player he is someone who we will be talking about for generations to come if he keeps up his his current pace already a two time MVP defensive player of the year in his first NBA finals and rising to the occasion he had 41 points 13 rebounds six assists the only player in NBA history since Shaq to have back-to-back 40.10 rebound performances in the finals just and by the way those were the first two th- this is the first time he's ever had back-to-back 40-point games in his career and he's doing it in the finals one week after hyper extending his knee where we all fear that he could have been out for the season he's even said that that he thought he was going to be out for a while One week later, he is putting up back-to-back 40-point performances in the finals. Just He is a super-duper star. He is a transcendent athlete, a transcendent NBA player. And the thing you have to remember about Giannis is he's still really young, still really young. And how many two-time MVPs... In the NBA, can you point to after winning two MVP awards and say they have glaring, glaring weaknesses in their game where they can still massively, massively improve? If you think about the recent MVP award winners, who you could say that, you know, Russell Westbrook 2016. Could maybe improve his jump shot, but but by then he was already in the NBA eight nine years. We would have liked to see it. Obviously, it hasn't happened. Before that, LeBron James, back when he was with Cleveland, improve his jump shot, be a little more aggressive low post. He did all that. That's why LeBron has been able to to become LeBron, in my opinion, the best basketball player of of all time. Maybe Shaq, back in the back when he won in ninety nine two thousand, of just the glaring weakness of free throw shooting. He obviously never really improved at that in his career. But if you look at Giannis as as a player, he's a transcendent player. One of the five best basketball players in the entire world. Two-time MVP, competing in the finals, maybe an NBA champion in two weeks' time. And you can point at his game and watch his game and say, glaring weaknesses. And so if you just think if he gets 10% better at the free throw line. So he's not 62%, but 72% on his high volume. And if he gets five to 10% better in the low post or in like that mid post area, just think about the next level. Giannis can, can go up from not just being a transcendent two time MVP now, where he's almost unstoppable and you have to coordinate your entire defense to basically building a wall. So he can't attack the basket too. Imagine if if he just keeps getting better in the low post and you could throw him the ball more consistently in the low post and he goes to work. Whereas we've seen that this season. We've really seen it this postseason, him taking it to different guys in, in the post. Obviously, what jumps out the most is Game 7, overtime in Brooklyn, gets the ball, left block, scores on Kevin Durant. In overtime, down two. He is... A transcendent player. He's developing all the time. He's working on his game, his improvement. There's no reason to believe that he won't get better and better at at his low post moves because he already has trust in it when it's not even one of his best skills yet. To go to a game seven overtime and just say, "Okay, my team needs a basket. I'm going to go to this move, go middle, right hand jump hook because no one can no one can stop me." And he's figured out that no one can stop him on the low block. So I have a lot of hope. Giannis, no matter what happens the rest of this series, comes back next offseason, or sorry, comes back next season after this offseason with more advanced low post moves. He worked on it last summer. I just think he's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And that's a scary, scary thought for the NBA because just from what we saw, you know, game game one of this series coming back after his knee injury, okay, getting the rust off. He still had 20 points. There was that weird stretch in game one where the Bucs just seemingly forgot he was on the team. Game two, 40-point performance dominating the game at stretches, dominating the game. The Suns won that because they hit threes at every single crucial moment, but Giannis dominated that game. And then game three last night, Giannis, and really the whole Bucks, but Giannis led the way that they finally took it to Phoenix. And what I mean by that is there was a point in game two where it became very, very obvious that Phoenix cannot guard and prevent Milwaukee from getting to the rim. That Milwaukee can get to the rim almost any time that they want. Layups, dunks, offensive rebounds. That it's going to be on the Bucks. That if the Bucks want to win this series, they have to be the more aggressive team. They have to stop settling for jump shots. And they have to get to the rim and use their size. Their size is a massive, massive advantage for the Bucks in this series, you have Giannis that's, you know, in, in in their starting lineup. Giannis is 6'11", 7 feet tall. Lopez, 7 feet, 7 foot 1. Middleton's about 6'8". The Suns don't have great size. Not only in their starting lineup do they not have great size, but they don't have great size coming off their bench as well. And that is really concerning for them. And that, if you're a Suns fan, is your biggest takeaway because you could say, okay, yes, yes. And the way that most of these series go, the home team, okay, they defend home court. Team down 0-2 comes out with desperation. At home, huge crowd. They come out. This is usually the game where if there's ever going to be one game in a series where it is a blowout, it's usually this game down 0-2. The Bucks did what they had to do. But if you're a Suns fan and you're watching not just this game but also in, in game two, the lack of size is concerning. And that's been a concern ever since the Lakers series at the start of the playoffs because that's why so many people, including myself, picked the Lakers to win that series is who, who on this team is going to guard Anthony Davis in a seven-game series because, yes, Aiton can do it, but in the couple games like last night when Scott Foster and, and other referees are calling the game a little tight, especially on the interior with DeAndre Aiton, who off the bench is going to guard Anthony Davis? And in this series, it's who off the bench is going to guard Giannis is it going to be Cam Johnson? I like those odds of your Milwaukee. Torrey Craig. Milwaukee already had him this year. Frank Kaminsky. He played 14 minutes. You know, I think he can add a different dimension for them offensively, but defensively, I don't think he. You know, if you're Milwaukee and he's guarding Giannis, you love that matchup. So, if you're a Suns fan and you're watching this. If the Bucks are going to keep playing size and utilizing them, that is a concern. That is a concern going forward for game four. And look, I don't want to make it sound like the Brooke Lopez, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, all of their concerns have been alleviated by this game three victory for Milwaukee because there are still some legitimate concerns about playing the three of them either together, two at a time, or ho- however they, they, they match up in this series against Phoenix because you still have to guard pick and roll. They did a much, much better job defensively in Game 3 and really towards, towards the end of Game 2. The Suns just made a bunch of shots and, and, and some great corner threes, but they're still the same issues and the Bucks still have to be clued in on rotations and all this stuff because Phoenix's counter to say, okay if you're going to play the sizes, we're going to attack it defensively having Lopez on the court even though I think it's the right decision for offense for rebounding for size you know we've talked about how in the pick and roll you can make it a little more difficult for them that still means when Phoenix is going to play their shooters that there could be some advantageous matchups for them so it's almost on on the flip side Phoenix needs to do a better job at attacking these guys defensively and trusting trusting their their guys you know Booker was 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 off last night it was a weird game only 29 minutes three for 14 from the field one for seven from three his inconsistencies is why I don't think he's a superstar yet I think he's a you know an all-star in in the Western Conference and obviously a really really good player but if people are going to start putting him in in the top eight or the top 10 in the NBA I just think he needs to be a little more consistent in his performances you know he was he was off last night chris paul good shooting performance crowder hit a bunch of shots but when campaign is is on the court and and he's going three for ten you know you're you're letting almost letting milwaukee off the hook and now you know sometimes the ball just just doesn't go in but don't think that the concerns of having lopez tucker and portis all on the court uh are now all gone because the other thing and the big concern with them is with the Bucks themselves of, are they going to continue to use their size? Are they going to continue to get the ball to Brooke Lopez down low when Aiton is guarding Giannis and he has Jay Crowder on him? Or is he going to be spaced out to three? Can they get the ball to Bobby Portis down low? PJ Tucker on dump offs, offensive rebounds, you know, those three guys combined for uh, six offensive rebounds. You know, Lopez didn't have any. He only had two rebounds on the game, played 21 minutes. But he's a threat on the offensive rebounds. You have to box him out. And, and sometimes paying attention to Lopez gets P.J. Tucker come in and get a tip out for for someone else. It's still the most intriguing thing about the series, and I'm really interested to see in Game 4 how does it play out. To the Bucs, I think they still stay big. Lopez twenty one minutes, Tucker thirty, Portis eighteen. How do they use them? Do they keep using their size? Because that's going to be a huge, huge. That that's their advantage in this series. They the Suns don't have anyone to guard them, and the more that you attack with Lopez, Tucker, Portis, Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, with you have so many guys who are really good at attacking the rim and scoring near near the hoop. You're going to put so much pressure on Aiton. So much pressure on Aiden, because that is Phoenix's big, big concern is if Aiden gets in foul trouble or just fundamentally needs rest because he can't play 48 minutes where he's dominating the game for 48 minutes because he was really productive in the minutes he was out there last night. He was 8 for 11 from the field, 9 rebounds, a couple steals, but his foul trouble was a huge, huge part of this game. And if he gets in foul trouble... Are they going to Kaminsky? Is Cam Johnson, Crowder, and uh, Torrey Craig all playing? You know, small ball five and rotating and switching. Do they match? You know, if they if they decide to play Kaminsky, do they match him on Lopez and 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 live with that instead of Kaminsky on on eight on sorry, of Kaminsky on Giannis because that's much tougher. I liked what Phoenix did when Kaminsky was on the court in the pick and roll as Milwaukee tried to get him involved. And Kaminsky and, and the Suns did a really good job of trapping those screens, hard hedging, so that they couldn't attack, and then Kaminsky was able to get back to his. Man, you know, did, did the Bucks score a couple of times? Yes, but that's way better than just giving in to a one-on-one opportunity for Middleton on, on Kaminsky and just giving into that switch. Make them make the right pass. The Bucks have proven over and over again this postseason that, that sometimes... They can just get super jump shot happy and super ISO happy, and so making them keep play the playing together and passing and attacking the rim is is, is a good strategy for Phoenix. I think it would be interesting to see if, if in Game Four if they match Giannis and Aiton's minutes. So if, so so Monty Williams every time Giannis goes out, Aiton goes out, and now that takes away maybe the advantage of having Aiton on the court, and you don't have, really have any size. But maybe going five smalls on five wings against Milwaukee within they have size with Lopez and basically be like dare them to go to Lopez down low every time basically say hey we, we're gonna dare you to make the make the quote-unquote right play and attack the mismatch every time and just see if they do but I think it'll be more likely more zone defense in game four coming from Phoenix they went to it a little bit when Eaton was out I actually think that they could go to it even a little bit when Eaton is in the game get some quote-unquote active rest or in-game rest for him where he's not coming up to guard a ball screen every single time where he's not you know in every single action defensively but he can sort of be in the middle of the paint check cutter so he can basically just stay in the paint and get the defense to 3 seconds reset you know there are ways to sort of not quote-unquote relax on defense in, in the NBA, but you can go zone a few possessions and say, hey, we're, we're, we're going to dare you take a couple jump shots here and we're going to box out and, and go. And that way you can still play zone and have Eaton on the court for your offensive advantages. It's not just a strategy. Because if Eaton gets in foul trouble or he comes out of the game and you immediately go zone, that's very easy to game plan against. That, hey, when they see that, boom, zone offense comes in, they the the zone offense calls comes in boom 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 they're ready for it but if but if instead it's more of a hey even when Ains on the court we may go a little zone here it's just you know a little uh, less predictable uh, for that the other concern is Bridges needs more shots he was two for four from from the field he played some pretty good defense but can we can they get him more involved in the offense like when Phoenix is struggling to get corner threes like they were in this game. They need to find him the ball more, and it may just be that, hey, his spot in the offense is more of the corner, and Crowder's more of the slot, and Crowder was six for seven from three, so they got good three-point shooting out of, out of Jay Crowder, but can we get uh, Mikael Bridges some, some more shots? He's a really good player. Need to get him more involved in the offense. And then the other thing is, you know, I mentioned it before, but what's up with Booker? an inconsistent game, you know, game three, Hey, you could either just write off and say this dude's a stud. He'll, he'll be back. But if, but that's a concern is why is he so inconsistent? He has a 40 point game, a 30 point game, hit seven threes last night, or sorry, he hit seven threes in game two, comes back tonight. Doesn't even make seven shots combined between uh, field goals and free throws. Just what's up with him. He was minus 13, only 10 points trying to figure out, you know, What's wrong with Booker and trying to, I I guess, try to get ways to or find ways to get him going early so that because he's a dynamic scorer And and if he's going, it just opens up the offense so much for for everyone else. So the weird part about this uh, year, besides everything else that's been weird about this year, but particularly with the finals, is it's a bizarre schedule for the finals. So there was game one was on last Tuesday. Then game two was Thursday. It's so only one day off between games. And then it was two days off for the travel and everything. We have the Sunday night game. The next game is not till Wednesday night. So we're two days off in Milwaukee for both teams between games three and four. This is a big advantage for the Bucs. And it's a big advantage for the Bucs because, number one, their best player got hurt last week. It is two. It is basically 48 to say... You know, 60 hours before the prep for game three really or sorry, the prep for game four really starts of Jans to do around the clock treatment on his knee. That's about forty-eight to sixty more hours of treatment on his knee. And he just had back-to-back 40 point 10 plus rebound games to so get even try to get him healthier for game four is a big advantage for the Bucks. The other thing with the Bucks is the Bucks have a shorter rotation than than Phoenix. Now maybe Phoenix will adjust and shorten their rotation. In game four, because this can be an advantage for the for Phoenix as well, because they're a bit older. They have Chris Paul, who's played a lot of minutes this, this postseason, has battled a couple injuries, and COVID. Eaton has played a bunch of minutes this postseason. Booker, they, even though they may go to their bench more, Chris Paul getting him getting him a couple of days off may be good for them as well. But the Bucks have gone to a shorter bench, a shorter rotation during this playoffs against Brooklyn. They were basically at six. They basically just went to six uh, guys in the rotation. These couple of days off could help them. They have a couple older guys as well. But you, Holiday, <laughs> Middleton were 40-plus minutes. Tucker was 30 minutes. Connison, 30 minutes. Those, those key guys of, of, of their core six, really. And, and let's extend to seven with, with Portis. But of those core six or seven, those guys have played a lot of minutes this, this whole postseason, the, these two days off. It's weird. I don't like it because I want to watch more basketball, but it's a weird schedule. I think it's an advantage for the Bucs purely because and because there are things that, that help it out both ways, but purely because there's an extra 48 to 60 hours of Giannis doing around-the-clock rehab, recovery, treatment on his uh, hyperextended knee injury from the Atlanta series. That is a massive advantage for Milwaukee going into Game 4. That's why I'm picking Milwaukee in game four, but we're going to preview that game more on Wednesday's podcast. Uh, But early, you know, my initial reaction right here on on, on Monday morning is that Milwaukee is going to win game four. But I can't wait so much to get to. This series has been really good, really exciting, and I can't wait for game four on Wednesday night. So... That'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at dbl underscore Podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. Take care and make it a great day.